We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Happy New Year, Happy New Decade here on Home and Home, our first show back in this 2020. But is it really a new decade? We'll discuss. And did you sit around and watch college football games on January 1st, four outstanding matchups? Or did the college football playoff just kill your enthusiasm for all of it? Did the Cowboys resolve to hire a new coach this year? Welcome back to Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter the smartest way to hire in this new year. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania. And as always, on a Thursday, Nick Costos joining us. Happy New Year, gentlemen. Uh, Costos, tell us, how do you celebrate New Year's Eve? Uh, Just chilled, man. Happy New Year to you guys and everyone listening. Uh, Just chilled. I'm not really a big partier. Um, haven't gotten out on New Year's in many years. So, uh, yeah, just chilled with my girl and a couple friends. Watched the ball drop. Watched the star is born. Was in bed by 1 o'clock in the morning. It was very pleasant. I, I, All right, I so that, okay, so that's – so chilling with you, though, is you're at your place or somewhere else with your girlfriend, friends. I mean, that's not chilling. That's like – that's having people over. I mean, sure, chilling. but very low key though. Like very low key. Like no one's getting blasted. Just chilling. Like that. That's what I mean by chilling. Like everyone's drinking. Like we're having a good time. But like it ain't getting wild. It's more of like a chill, low key event. Yeah, so, but you're you're at that phase of life. You're what thirty six. That's right. No ball drop then. You don't even tune in for a minute to see a countdown or even observe the three, two, one. Are you just watching a star is born straight through? Oh, no, no, we we switched off a star. It was, a star is born. I don't think start started until after midnight. So to be fair, oh. it was, that time was a little later. But uh, but yeah, we we tuned into some of that. And I thought it was it was very funny watching the two different New Year's Eve shows, the one with Ryan Seacrest and then the other with Steve Harvey and Gronk. So I thought I thought it was actually it was kind of humorous. And I think you know, um, doing what we do for a living, right? It's kind of fun watching events like this with people that don't work in television and being able to point out like little things like that are happening in the broadcast that people who are not in the industry may not be aware of. I always think that that's fun. And I think the people get a kick out of stuff like that. So, so that that was pretty fun. I yeah, man, I I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, I find that I enjoy most things though, like that. So it it, it was a good time. Seacrest, go ahead, Dave. Seacrest or Harvey though? I, I I'm definitely Team Seacrest. Uh, Gronk was entertaining as he spiked the Steve Harvey Lego statue, but beyond that, I am Team Seacrest. Where do you lean? Well, Seacrest was like a robot that was like built and programmed specifically to host events like this. Like he's outstanding. I think Steve Harvey is still like, like he, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm team Seacrest also. I like Steve Harvey, like especially on Family Feud and some other stuff he does. But yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm more of like a Ryan Seacrest fan in that regard. Yeah, I like Seacrest. So Nick, have, did you ever do the Times Square thing? No, no, no. 
Okay, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. You grew up around there. I didn't know if one time when you were 18 or 22 or something, you tried it. You got to be an asshole to do that shit. Well, the thing I've always heard that I think is crazy is there's nowhere to go to the bathroom, right? Yeah, fuck that, man. So yeah, all these people just kind of like what pee like they just pee on the ground. Like what? I, 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 I don't know, but I would never go. I want no part. Like like they're like standing outside in January in New York City, can't go to the bathroom and can't move for an entire day. No thanks. Like people pay to do that. I'm trying to think of what I would have to be paid to do that. They would have to pay me to do it, and I don't know like if they can hit my price to to waste a day of my life doing that. I'm with you. Zero, zero chance I'm ever standing in that crowd. From what I hear, Ross, I've been told guys tend to use a bottle or a can or whatever they have on them and that the women are generally allowed to exit into a, a nearby restaurant or pizza place and the cops are usually friendly enough to let them back in. That's the reporting I've heard, but it looks like torture to me. But I buried the lead and that's that Ross Tucker, you stayed up past midnight which i can't recall has that ever happened was it your first at least as a parent watching the ball drop moment uh you know what i don't ever remember watching the balls drop uh the balls the ball drop <laughs> with my <laughs> what are you watching porn i don't ever remember watching the ball drop with my daughters before so typically we go to this like country club thing. I told you about this Briggs from like six to nine and at eight 30 or nine, they make it sound like it's, they do the countdown nine, eight, seven. And they have all these like balloons and confetti come from the ceiling and all the kids go crazy. So like, that's how we've always done it. And be like, happy new year. We just pretend. Uh, and, but this year and some other years we've gone to a, like a house party after that. I don't know. I, I, I kept wanting to leave the house party. My wife kept wanting not to. Um, finally, I got her to leave at like 11.15 because I had to get up early. She didn't. So we get home at like 11.30. At that point, I was like, you know what? It's 11.30 at this point. Like, I'm realistically not going go to be able to go to bed till like 11.45 anyway. So the girls, my daughters piled in the bed with us, and the four of us watched Seacrest and post Malone for uh, for 30 minutes or whatever it was and the ball drop. And it was nice. It was a nice, nice little moment. Um, but I remember distinctly thinking to my, like talking to my daughters and wondering if they would ever do that. Like if they would ever try to be in New York city to watch the ball drop. I don't know. The older one, no chance. The younger one, maybe she's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a teenager who would definitely be a part of that just for the Instagram value. Everything she considers is generally based on the Instagram value. What types of photo opportunities await, which drives me mad, but that's who they are. That's what they're all about. So whatever. Uh, my, my problem with New Year's Eve, and I'm curious about you having this costos is I get a lot of anxiety. I feel a lot of pressure when, when New Year's Eve comes and then a new year comes, especially with people talking about a new decade starting. I feel a ton of pressure right now. Like, shit, I got to do something new, got to do something big, got to do something bold, got to have a, a great New Year's resolution. It's all downside for me to start a new year because I'm taking stock of where I was a year ago, in this case where I was a decade ago. Do you feel any of that New Year's anxiety? And what did you resolve to do? Uh, actually, I, I actually have surprisingly little anxiety. 
at the moment about the new year and the new decade. Um, I've reached a, a point in my professional life now where I just, I, I feel like I'm kind of like one with the force at this point. And like what I do is uh, like, I, I, I feel like, like I, uh, the sh- shit that I create is, I, I think it lives up to my standard. Um, and I think it evolves and it gets better. And I think it's going to evolve and continue to get better. Um, so it's almost like, I feel like I almost can't lose to a degree when it comes down to like what I do for work. Um, mm. I think that my shit is good enough. Um, I think that I'm good enough and I think that I'm just going to get better. So I really don't have a lot of anxiety about work related stuff. And as it comes to personal shit, um, I, I think that at this point in my life, and I've kind of referenced this, this with you guys a couple of times in the past before where at in my mid thirties now I've kind of got like a really good handle on stuff. Um, self-awareness I think is at an all time high for me at this point. So I kind of know what I need to do to make my life better. And I'm not even talking about like waking up earlier or going to the gym or shit like that. More like, like taking the necessary steps to enjoy my life, which I haven't really done much of in the past. Like I've never gone on vacations before. I'm a workaholic. That's been kind of my MO for half my life at this point since I was 18 and I started doing radio at, at Fordham University. Um, now I'm taking steps to enjoy my life a little more. Um, going on vacations, um, giving myself a mental break. Um, so I actually, I'm really excited actually about this new decade. Um, and I think it's going to be awesome. I'm going to crush it and uh, looking forward to the whole deal. So I'm sorry you feel that way, my man, but I, I, I kind of feel I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum on this one. Good. Good. Well, and, 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 and Nick, you should, and you know how I feel about you and your talents. We've talked about that before. My question though is for you, Dave, like you are, have an awesome family, terrific house. you I mean, you're a great looking guy. You're talented. You've got an unbelievably gifted co-host on a new show that you get to work with every day. I mean, you've got a lot going for you. I'm like, it's weird. You said this about the holidays. Now you say it's about New Year. Like, I just don't get it, Dave. Like, let, let, you need to, you need to take what, like. Well, it is fair, Ross. A lot of people feel like that. Not like the single Dave out. Like, Dave's got a lot of good shit going on, but there are a lot of people that feel the same way. I understand that, Nick. But my point is, is I feel like if I'm a listener right now, a lot of people have a lot of, like, bad shit going on in their lives. You know what I mean? Like. They've got family issues. They've got job issues. Like, they've got real issues. Like, if I feel like if I'd be listening to this, I'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah, Dave breaks. Yeah. Cry me a river, dude. I feel real bad for you. Yeah. Be out there. You know what I mean? I I absolutely know what you mean. Let me be clear. I am not fishing for compliments. And and I absolutely acknowledge I have a... Being honest. Being honest. Uh, but I have a wretched appreciation for things. Like I, I really don't take stock of things very well. And in fact, to your point, I had a good friend who reached out and said she's having a, a tumor in her brain operated on. And she said at the end of the email, you know, I know, I know you might have some anxiety about the career and um, I'm praying for you. And it just smacked me in the face with reality. I think I'm just trying to give voice to the people that, it doesn't always make sense. 
you might do a pros cons list and you still just don't feel good about things. Like there are a lot of people that anxiety and depression and things of that matter just don't actually make sense. It's not a scorecard. It's just something inside of you that doesn't often make sense. But nonetheless, I appreciate the compliments. Uh, Nick Costos career coach. If you ever need like a second career, not that you are third, I guess, as it were, uh, you, you'd be a good life coach. And, and maybe I'll hire you uh, in that regard for the new year. I am curious as we move into the actual world of sports, if you guys still feel the love for new year's day, college football bowl games. I mean, I, I sit and watch them strictly because it's my job. I had the feeling inside that if it weren't my job, I probably would not have watched minus the Rose Bowl, I just didn't have a whole lot of curiosity as a football fan because the college football playoff killed bowl season for me. Did it for you, Ross? I mean, it hasn't killed it, but there's no question the interest in the other bowls has been somewhat mitigated as a result. Uh, Now, for me, like, you guys know me. Like, I'm a football freak okay like I love it so I was pumped to watch Michigan Alabama I was watching the crap out of Michigan Alabama I'm watching the right tackle for Alabama who they say is going to be the number one offensive lineman in the draft Jedrick Wills so like I I can always enjoy it I do think it's interesting though like hearing the broadcasters talk about how great it was that all these guys are playing in the bowl game and they should, that, that kind of starts to bother me then because I think about the money and the professionalism aspect of it, but I still like that bowl. I still, you know, it's Michigan, Alabama. I love the Rose bowl every year, but I don't really get into very many other bowls. And I, I can't imagine getting into the other bowls as much if it weren't for gambling, I mean, the people that I see talking on social media about the Bulls, you know, the Bulls that are today, it's like Boston College, Cincinnati, and whatever. The only people I really see talking about those are the people that I know that bet on every bowl game. And that's the truth. Nick? Uh, yeah, I think Ross nailed it. Um, I'm in, look, I'm a huge football fan also, and like a big sports fan. So, like, I would probably be watching some of the shit anyway, but like, I gambled on all the games. So, like, I, I'm very into it. Um, I'm basically into anything I can gamble on on sports that's televised. So, I, I, I still am very into bowl season. Um, but, like, I think if you're a regular sports fan, Dave, to your point, the college football playoff has somewhat diluted that enjoyment. But I was very into it yesterday. I was into Georgia Baylor last night. I watched the whole Rose Bowl. So, so I, 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 I still like college football bowl season. I still like it a lot. All right, so here's a question, okay? If they went to eight, would that – Totally kill the the rest of the bowls. No, you can still gamble on them. So it's like, who cares? It? it would be better. It would be more more playoff games to gamble on, more interest. I think it should be sixty four teams. I think it should be like basketball. A million. I know it would never happen. I'm not saying it should. I think it, more teams, more intrigue, bigger tournament, more fun, more shit to bet on. I think that would be the most fun thing because you know how I look at these things. It's not like what's good for the NCAA or good for the student athletes. It's what's good for me. What's good for me and what no, I like to do? Right. That's how you it. And that's how most people, if they're being honest, look at it. You just are more willing to verbalize it. I will say this, though, and I want both of your opinions on this. Yeah. I love football so much that I'm I'm very upset right now. 
Like it started Saturday night with the ridiculous overturn of the fumble in the Ohio State Clemson game, which was just preposterous. The guy took three, maybe four steps and was trying to put the ball away from Akuda, which is a football move to overturn that. I thought was ludicrous. And then Sunday night, Seahawks Niners. I think it was probably pass interference, but even if it wasn't, you have to stop that game and review it. You have to review that third down play. It definitely looked like pass interference, but I could live with it if you didn't put the flag down, say it was, but yeah, you cannot in less than 35 seconds, not review that. And then that Wisconsin pass interference last night, offensive pass interference. I'm just really upset. Like, and I know we have a show home and home on every day and it's probably good when shit like that happens. Cause I can get on and complain about it and there can be controversy and I can get more riled up, but I don't look at it like that. I, I mean, like I know how much time those players and coaches put into those games. And I just want, look, Ohio state and Wisconsin had plenty of chances to win the game, right? Like Wisconsin's like fumbling punts and fumbling and, fumbling the wide receiver. J.K. Dobbins drops two passes that would have been touchdowns. Like, they they could have lost anyway, and maybe they should have lost anyway. But I would have liked to have seen the Akuda play stand as a touchdown and see and still seen Trevor Lawrence bring Clemson back for a touchdown. Like, I am sick of this shit now. I am sick of it. I just want the guys on the field – to determine the outcome of the game because it cheapens the accomplishment then of Oregon or Clemson. I'm just like, yeah, they won, but I don't know. Would they have won if it wasn't for the bullshit call? I don't know. I would have liked to have seen it. It just, I hate it. I I, I really hate it right now. Costos, what do you think? Yeah, man, and I've been rallying against officiating for a long time. The officiating fucking sucks across the board, basically in all sports, but especially magnified in football. Now, I will say that the three games that Ross mentioned, which is the Niners beating the Seahawks on Sunday night, Clemson beating Ohio State in the one national semifinal on Saturday, and Oregon beating Wisconsin last night in the Rose Bowl, uh, I won money on all three games. So I had I had, I had, had the Niners, I had Clemson, and I had Oregon. So that led to me winning all three. So I, I can't, like, get that upset about it because then I'm not authentic because I won. But, yeah, dude, it, it's fucking – it's horseshit. There's no doubt. Dude, we talk about from the gambling perspective. Like, how about the end of the Niners-Cardinals game in Arizona when, the like, 50 people were on top of the ball. Suddenly the ball squirts out from the, the bottom of the huddle, goes back 20 yards in the end zone, and the, and the Niners recovered in the end zone at the end of the game for a meaningless touchdown. Like, people lose on shit like that. There's no – dude, the officiating is fucking horrendous. There's no question about it. So I totally get where Ross is coming from. Nick, I want to be very clear here. You won money – in all three instances, in all three, you as an objective football fan who had money on the game, you can still say that you thought they were incorrect in all three of those situations. Well, okay. Well, I'll, okay. I thought the Niners were. It never even should have come down to that at the end of the game with San Francisco and Seattle. So San Francisco, I have less of of, of an issue with that game, with the Niners-Seahawks game. Um, I think that Ohio State probably should have won. The process of them not reviewing that play is just inherently flawed. No, but they fucked it up all year, though. Like, they fucked the pass interference thing up all year. So, like, it should surprise no one that that's what happened. 
That, that's that's my point with that game. And also, I thought the Niners were the better team in the game as well. And it would have been a ridiculous, ridiculous shit if the Seahawks had won another lucky-ass game like that. I will say, and um, as someone who bet on Clemson and Oregon, that Ohio State um, probably should have won on Saturday night. And look, and, and Ryan, I know you said this, Ross, so like I'm not like trying to like be like, it's all the officiating's fault. Ohio State fucked like 10 things up in that game. Like that was an unreal choke job by Ohio State against Clemson. And I had Clemson. I thought Ohio State probably should have won the game. And there is no question, no question that Wisconsin should have won and covered in the Rose Bowl last night. All those turnovers, terrible officiating, the pass interference call. I won money with Oregon, but I can say, having watched the game, yeah, I don't know if Oregon was actually the right side in the game, but I'll take the money that I won. Thank you very much. Yeah, at the end of the day, I just hate when the the lingering thought I have is about officiating. And I'm not a fan of Ohio State. I'm not a fan of Wisconsin. But if I was, if I was an alma mater, an alum, I would be furious because it's the only thing I would think about. Yes, Wisconsin deserved to lose that football game, in particular the the dropped punt. But look, that pass interference, by all indications, uh, went too far. And, and, and here's what I'd like to see. Every network has a rules analyst, and that's great. But now it seems like those TV rules analysts are just there to support the, the referee and, and to justify the call. Uh, for example, I think Kirk Herbstreit is one of the best in the business, one of the best I've ever seen in that booth. He hated that Wisconsin call, which Gene Steratore, by the way, on Twitter last night, former NFL and NCAA official, said was the wrong call. Uh, Herbstreit didn't like the call, heard the rules analyst, and by the end of the game had come around to agreeing with the letter of the law and the rule and how it was called. I would like to see a little more fierce debate maybe a little argument maybe just straight up ripping the refs if you think that call is wrong don't just stand there in support of what they did if you that just felt like they are there to justify what nfl and what college officials are doing rather than pointing out the flaw in a bad call i want to see some fierce debate and I sure as hell don't want to think about officiating at the end of a game. And, and we didn't even mention the Baylor. I don't know if you guys watched late last night, but a brutal pass interference missed in that game. Probably wasn't consequential because Georgia was just the better team in that football game. And Jake Fromm finally, finally freaking came to play and justified some of his potential with Pickens. But there was a brutal missed pass interference on Georgia. So, yeah, the officiating Someone has got to change well, something. What do you do, though? Well, and here's the thing. This is the point I wanted to make. I almost always support the officials. I know a lot of them. It's a really hard job. And to magnify that, think about, like, Sunday night football, the Seahawks Niners, right? Terry McCauley, who is the head of one of the conferences. I don't remember which conference it is but he's the head of one of the college conferences officiating longtime NFL official. He is saying that is clear restricted movement. They should be stopping this. I don't know why they're not stopping this. And then, then you have though last night where I don't even know the name of the guy with Herb street and Fowler, but he's saying, yeah, that is past interference. Meanwhile, Gene Steratore is saying it's not. And for the the Seahawks one, Al Riveron said it wasn't. So evidently it's harder than we think because even these guys that like it's been their job for 20 years, they disagree. 
So, I mean, this this is what they do. And Macaulay says one thing, Riveron does the other. The dude for ESPN says it's interference. Gene Serator says that's the wrong call. So, honestly, if they can't figure it out, if these guys that are like real refs, not just TV refs, like they were real refs, if they can't get on the same page, how are any of us supposed to? Yeah, I don't know. And it's going to probably be the biggest off-season question for both the NCAA and the NFL. And anything short of a sky judge in the NFL is inexcusable because we could have another debacle in the NFL postseason. The way pass interference has been called and has not been called. We are just one day away from another New Orleans Saints epic debacle and that one still looms over that entire city and that organization speaking of the nfl we're back to the playoffs four games this weekend but before we get there three and a half uh head coaching job openings is it's not entirely clear what the hell they're doing in dallas but costos the giants what do you make of the the split decision there if you will yeah i think they suck um <laughs> I, yeah, the, the, the ownership's terrible. Um, John Mara is a trust fund baby clown, third generation trust fund baby. Probably he's never had to make a tough decision in his life. And when he does have to make a tough decision, it blows up in his face. He's a fucking idiot. Um, he sucks. Basically, since he's been the primary owner of the team, basically everything he's done has been terrible. The run of success that the Giants had while he was like technically in charge was all set into place by Ernie Accorsi with the drafting of Eli Manning, the hiring of Tom Coughlin and Jerry Reese being promoted to general manager under Accorsi. So it's like, I don't give him any credit basically for the Super Bowls that they've won of uh, the two Super Bowls 42 and 46 and I think he's shown that he's a fucking terrible owner they did this just a couple years ago when they made Tom Coughlin the scapegoat fired Coughlin by the way Coughlin should have been fired but they fired him like two years late should have fired him a couple years earlier along with Jerry Reese so they fired Coughlin and kept Jerry Reese and you know what happens when you do something like that you get Ben fucking McAdoo so I think firing Pat Shermer was the right thing um and I actually kind of feel bad for Shermer just as like on a personal level he's clearly like a very good offensive coach, like a great offensive coordinator, definitely deserves to be employed in the NFL in some capacity. As a head coach, and Ross, I know, like I think you said, like you know him personally, whatever, he's a nice guy, I'm sure he is. He is a terrible in-game coach. Makes inexplicable fucking decisions that like, I'm watching the game and I'm like, this guy should not be a fucking head coach in the NFL. Get some fucking kid that plays fucking Madden. Get some stone fucking college freshman who will make better decisions than this idiot is making on NFL. He's terrible. He is. I'm sorry. But like the fact that like they're making it out like Pat Shermer's like like the one problem with all of this is so rich to me that like they're like, oh, we need to do we need to get this next hire right. Well, then why do you still employ the guy that made the hire? It's like, is it Pat Shermer's fault? Like we know he sucked because he sucked in Cleveland. He's a terrible coach. Why the fuck did they hire him? Because the GM's a fucking moron. The GM's a clown. Gettleman is a con artist. He's running, he has fooled John Mara and Steve Tisch. They get up there and they're talking about this press conference on Monday about analytics and how they've got, they're like, oh, we're moving forward. We're, we're a forward-thinking organization. And then this dipshit Dave Gettleman gets up there on Tuesday and goes, yeah, we're into the analytics. We hired four computer folk. Is there anyone out there that actually thinks this idiot uses analytics or knows what the fuck he's talking about? Like hey, he's hey, full of shit. Nick, right? let me uh, let me play devil's advocate and get your take on this, okay? He's been in charge of a couple drafts. Saquon Barkley, pretty terrible good pick. Terrible pick. Uh, Vish, he's a pretty good player. This he is. Year. He's a running back. They took him second overall. It's a horrendous decision. Horrendous organizational decision should have been fired for it and never considered trading out of the pick when there were five quarterbacks taken in the first round. He sucks. Then you've got 
this year, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Darius Slayton. I mean, he's he's drafted some good dudes, man. I mean, and honestly, I think the Odell Beckham Jr. trade looks pretty good right about now. Uh, if, okay, let me play devil's advocate. Do you think Dave Gettleman should keep his job? No, I think it should, probably should have been a clean sweep. And I think right, he's keeping his job because they got so much venom for the Daniel Jones pick, and it turns out Daniel Jones is actually pretty good. And so I think everybody criticizing the Giants for taking Daniel Jones like caused the Giants to kind of like bow their backs a little bit. And because Jones is actually pretty good, I think that's why Gettleman still has his job. Uh, well, I, I, I look, he's had some good picks. I can't deny it. There's been some good that's come with it. But ultimately, when you do shit, like Saquon Barkley's awesome. I said this at the time. I will say this forever ad infinitum. Saquon Barkley's awesome. It's not a criticism of Saquon Barkley, the player. You cannot take a running back second overall. You just can't do it. He also brought Eli Manning back for not one year, but two years when it was very clear that Eli was done, paid him an outrageous sum of money, was asked about it this week, was basically like, oh yeah, we are comfortable with Eli as the backup. The day. A $23 million backup. Are, are we serious here? What about the Leonard Williams trade? What about paying Nate Solder like he's Anthony Munoz? What about signing Jonathan Stewart's exhumed corpse? We can go down the list. There are some good stuff. Like the Daniel Jones pick was clearly good. I think Jones is going to be really good. Slayton's obviously really good. He hired Pat Shermer. He took a running back. He didn't fix the offensive line. The defense hasn't gotten any better. He sucks. He should have been gone. It should have been a clean sweep. Because now if you're a head coaching candidate, like a legit, like real head coaching candidate, yeah. Why would you want to come and work for the Giants and work with for Dave Gettleman when you could go to another organization and basically like be the architect for the vision? Instead, you've got this clown still fucking employed. I mean, because it's you've just, got it's, it's stupid. I'm sorry. Because you've got the New York market. You've got Daniel Jones, a young, talented, smart quarterback, a Hall of Famer behind him in Saquon Barkley. I think there are pieces. I think this is an attractive job. And I guess I lean towards where Tucker's talking about. Look, we'll I know you don't draft a running back at two, but how many teams grab Hall of Famers in the first round at any number? I mean, the Dave, no, Dave, Dave, stop justifying. No Dave, stop Period. justifying. And also, stop calling Saquon Barkley a Hall of Famer because it's been two years and he was hurt a lot of this year and he's not even close to a Hall of Famer yet. He's good. I'm not saying he can't get there, but like, let's slow down on this. Like, he's not a Hall of Famer yet. That, that, is, that is categorically false. I'm just telling you where he, what he looks like, and you would agree with that too. The talent he has displayed at times would take him on that path. Yes, if he can stay healthy. All right, let's also, move at on. The, at, the, at, the most, at the least important position, the one that matters the least. Uh, not entirely true uh, when you look at what Derrick Henry has accomplished there with the Tennessee Titans. But we may never solve this argument. Real, real quickly before we move on, is there one guy you would be happy with as a hire at the head coaching spot for the Giants? Oh, man. I don't know. I was kind of into, like, the Matt Rule idea, and then I really didn't like what I saw from Baylor last night. So I don't, I don't I think they're going to fuck it up. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wanted Lincoln Riley a couple of years ago, and now I think Lincoln Riley in big games kind of pisses down his leg. So I'm not really big on the Lincoln Riley idea. Um, you know what? Well, actually, well, I, I want Belichick to come to the Giants. I hope the Patriots lose this weekend and Belichick comes to the Giants. Um, the name that intrigued me a little bit was the Patriots special teams coach, Joe Judge, whom I know nothing about. So I'm not trying to be like, wow, this guy would be a great candidate. But it seems like an intriguing out-of-the-box sort of deal that I'm like I'm on board with at least for an interview and to see where it goes with Joe Judge. But I, I don't really have a great answer for you. I feel like they're going to screw up whatever they do. All right, Nick, let's go through the playoff games quick with your bets. Uh, 
Why don't you start with – you can either go in chronological order or is there one game that you really feel good about? Yeah, we can go in chronological order. I'll give you quick takes on all of them. So let's start with the uh, the Houston Texans Invitational. That's the 4.30 um, p.m. Saturday wildcard <laughs> game um, that Bill O'Brien and company will play in, in perpetuity, it seems like. Texans right now a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So we had uh, Adam Chernoff as one of our regular guests on You Better You Bet. He hosts a podcast as well, and, and he has great game breakdowns. And I 100% agree with what he said on You Better You Bet earlier in the week, where this is really, it's an injury report game, where, like, you can't really bet this game until we see what this final injury report's going to look like. Because there are three players that are very critical um, to the point spread of this game. Two on Houston, J.J. Watt and Will Fuller, and then Levi Wallace, Buffalo's number two cornerback. So if we encounter a scenario where all three of these guys play in the game, I think I probably like Buffalo because I think the line is probably off. I think these two teams are probably close to uh, the Bills are probably a smidge better than the Texans at this point. So if it works out where Fuller and, and Watt both play and they're not limited in practice and Levi Wallace is limited, I think that may be reason to like Houston because Watt's going to help their run defense. And we see this Houston offense unlocked when Will Fuller's on one side of the field. And um, if Wallace isn't 100%, Fuller's going to have his way. That opens up for the things for DeAndre Hopkins as well. So I think we really have to wait until Friday to see what the injury report is um, for this game and to see like what the practice situation is for Fuller. Fuller, for Watt, and for Wallace for the Buffalo Bills. With that said, I bet Buffalo plus three and a half early in the week, and then I came back on Houston minus two and a half. So I've got two bets in this game. If it lands on Houston by three, I win both of them. So we'll see what happens here with the injuries because I'll probably do something else with this game um, before Saturday's kickoff. Saturday night, Patriots and the Titans. Um, I think this is an over game. Total right now is at the key number of 44. In some places, you may be able to get it below the key number of 44, where I think that if we look on what the Patriots are going to do to attack this Titans defense, this Titans secondary is not great, and it hasn't been great for quite some time now. We saw the Saints really take advantage of it a couple weeks ago. Now, the Patriots' pass offense is not what the Saints' pass offense is. Clearly, Brady's not playing as well as Breeze. They don't have a Michael Thomas. But I think the Patriots should be able to, to do something through the air here in this game. And I think that's going to be the game plan is to attack Tennessee's secondary. And if Ryan Tannehill and the Titans get caught in a scenario where they've got to play catch-up and they can't lean on the aforementioned Derrick Henry, I think things are going to go sideways for the Titans here in this spot in Ryan Tannehill's first career playoff game. So I'm going to lay it with the New England Patriots. I'm going to hope the line comes down a little bit. It's at five right now. I'd love to get like three and a half with New England. I don't know if that situation is going to present itself. It was at four um, a little earlier in the week before it spiked back up to five. So I do like New England and I also lean towards the over in this game, especially if you can get it at a at a number below 44. So 43, 43 and a half, um, I think would be your best bets to Sunday. Vikings and the Saints um, total of this game opened way too low. Opened to like 44 in some places. Shot up immediately. I think this total is going to close in the 50s. Like maybe around 50 and a half, 51. It's right now sitting at around 49. I think the over is going to hit in this game. I have no faith in this Vikings defense. And I think the Vikings offense will be able to hit the Saints defense where it hurts. And, you know, the Vikings offense hasn't been great the last couple times we've seen them. The Monday night game um, against Green Bay. And then, of course, everyone sat on Sunday in the loss to the Bears. Dalvin Cook's going to be back. Thielen, presumably 100% now. You know, Diggs is there too. Um, and this is a Kirk Cousins spot where no one's talking about Kirk Cousins at all here. I think we're going to see some points in this game. So I like the over and I also lean towards the Vikings keeping this game closer than expected, but I think the Saints will win. So give me the Vikings, and I also like the over in that first game, and then the Seahawks and the Eagles rounded up. Um, this is a very tough game to predict. Seahawks right now, one-and-a-half-point road favor. Total is 45. This is how I would bet the game. I'm going to wait live, I think. I don't think I'm going to have a pregame bet on this game. I want to see kind of how it shakes out a little bit, because the one thing that the Seahawks did on Sunday that I really liked, and I give actually 
can't believe I'm saying this. I give Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll credit. They saw what was happening on Sunday night in the loss to San Francisco where, you know, Seattle wants to run the ball. Like, they were down two scores a couple of weeks ago at Arizona and were trying to establish the run. Like, that's their MO. It's ridiculous. It's stupid, but that's what they want to do. Where they kind of abandoned it in the second half against San Francisco on Sunday night. They're like, this ain't working with Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer. So they actually opened up the playbook a little bit. They let Russ do his thing, and they very nearly stole a victory in the NFC West Championship doing it. So this seat... Philly secondary is eminently beatable, eminently beatable. So if they hit a point in this game where the Seahawks aren't having success running the ball up the middle, which they're not going to against Fletcher Cox on this Eagles defense, if they can flip the switch and let Russ just wing the ball all over the place, I don't think Philly has the offensive firepower to keep up the way the 49ers did on Sunday night. So I probably won't have a pregame bet on this, but if I'm getting the sense here that Seattle's starting to open it up a bit, I'm going to hit the Seahawks and I'm going to bet the Seahawks live in the, uh, the late game on Sunday. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I'm with you. I love Seattle there. If they do let Russ open it up, throw it 40 times, to, to your point, there is no running attack with the injuries they've had there. But that is a situation they can throw the ball all over Philly. One and a half surprises me. Uh, are we going to wait for tomorrow for your picks, Ross? Or do you want to weigh in there? No, I'll do my picks tomorrow. Yeah. All right. All right. We'll, 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 we'll tease there. We'll, we'll get all Ross Tucker's picks on those four games tomorrow. Nick Costos, Happy New Year, my friend. Appreciate the time. Catch him on You Bet or You Bet. Much more game breakdowns from Costos and the crew. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it, guys. And I also want to add that I saw, like you said earlier, I saw mm-hmm. A Star is Born um, over the New Year holiday, and yeah. I think it's the best movie I've ever seen. And I just want to I want to leave you on that note. I think it's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. There you go. What, what you was that. what was number one before that? Do you, do you know? Uh, probably Lost in Translation, I think, was probably my favorite movie before, before A Star is Born. I liked Stars Born. I wouldn't put it in my top five. I thought it was solid. It was there wasn't a ton of dialogue. It was a lot, a lot of music. So I'm surprised to hear you say that. There has never been two actors that have made you believe they're in love more than Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Almost to the point that I feel like any other love story that's ever been told in movie history is like almost irrelevant now after that. That's a, that, that's why I really liked it. And Do you think they are in love? Do you yes. buy that they're not? Uh, I, I, I see no way that they're not in real life. Yeah, the, the performance they gave, I think it was at the Oscars, really furthered that uh, suspicion. It was a good movie. Certainly some chemistry. Really surprised you put it as your number one all time. But it's uh, an interesting discussion for another day. Thank you, sir. Thanks, guys.
Tucker, you're back with us. Yeah, I lost you guys for a second. Casso said it's his favorite movie ever? That's right. Ever. All time. I'm stunned. I thought it was solid. Nowhere I've near my top it. I've never seen it. Why? I don't know. I don't watch movies. <laughs> I got to go. Uh, so, you're, so you're not much one for this discussion? N- well, no. <laughs> Ross, would, Ross would hate the movie. Hate it. Why do you say that? Because it's fuck. It's a musical, basically. Like, there's no way that Ross Tucker would like A Star Is Born. No way. And that's not even a criticism. I just think I know him pretty well. I don't think he'd like it. I think you're right. I I, I think it was a, it's a movie that he would struggle with. I definitely enjoyed. And I'm I think a pussy another- a little bit. Like I'm a bit of like a, I'm like a mush. Like I'm like this is the dichotomy of Nick Costas, where like I'm like this fucking like like Northeastern dude who curses all the time and shit. But like, I'm also like kind of like a mush ball. And like, I thought it was like the greatest love story I've ever seen. So like, I, I thought it was fucking magnificent. Like I, I judge hard by how it moves me. And I was like, so like 20 minutes into the movie, I think I turned to people and I was like, this is like the best acting I've ever seen. Like in a movie ever. Like I, wow. I thought it was like transcendent. I thought it was unbelievable. Like as good as it gets. Wow, that, that's really interesting. Maybe I need to revisit that movie, watch it again, because I remember thinking, yeah, I liked it. I actually was more into Bradley Cooper as a singer than I was into Lady Gaga as an actress. Oh, I think at they're the both great. That, both great. <laughs> but at the end of the movie, I said to myself, I would buy Bradley Cooper's album. Yeah, Lady Gaga was solid, but there was Did you cry at any point during the movie? Did, did you cry I, at any point during the movie? I definitely did, Costos. I, I think, you know, I have that emotional side as well. I'm not at all afraid to to cry in movies. I wasn't, like, deeply sobbing or anything. Like, Costos, when I watched Field of Dreams last week, I was crying like a little girl. <laughs> That's I cool, mean, though. I lost it, man. My wife came down, and she's like, what happened? Are you okay? I just completely lost it. I don't know it must've been the father son thing to have a catch. It was more of a little tear in a star is born. Were you like sobbing heavily? Uh, not like heavily, but like, I was like very moved by the whole thing. And like the ending of the movie is fucking like, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's like, like perfect art. I think it's just unbelievable. Like my highest recommendation, like can't say enough good things about it. Like that is art at its finest in my estimation. And like, in my opinion, like through the prism that I watch things through. Interesting that you took so long to watch it, though. I mean, that movie's been well, I'm out. I'm not a movie guy. I'm like Ross. Like, I don't really watch a lot. That's one of my resolutions for this year. I want to watch more movies. All right. I, I think we need another day, maybe next Thursday, where it's Costo. Isn't, like, a New Year's resolution supposed to, like, improve you in some that way? That does improve me. It does. It makes me – because I, I like the medium, and I like shit that makes me feel good. Like, not even feel good. I want something to make me feel anything. Like – that, that's how I judge art. That's how I judge sports. How did it make me feel? And a really good movie will almost certainly leave me walking out of the theater or walking off my couch feeling something. So that's why I want to spend more time with it. I want to, that's the shit that gets me off in life. Like that's the stuff that makes me really excited is stuff like that. When like, I'm thinking about it like 24 hours later and I'm watching interviews that the cast did last night. Cause like, I can't get enough of it. Like that, it was art. Like that is fucking art and like the work that went into that division that went into it actually almost kind of makes me sad because I feel like I'll never be able to create a something as good as that. And I would like to. 
Man, you you could also be so life coach, gambling expert, host, and movie critic Nick Costos, a man of many skills and talents. He's vulgar and he's mushy. I mean, you've got it all, brother. You've got it all. Appreciate you it. better, you bet. Check him out. Appreciate it, Costos. Coming up, we're going to delve into the other NFL coaching openings. Carolina, what is going on in Dallas? And we'll have some insight on the Cleveland situation. Daryl Ryder, 92-3 in Cleveland with uh, a whole host of interviews for the Browns. Who are they hiring? Who are you hiring? Hiring can be a challenge, as Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered. Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company, and she knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter which doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter, said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. Results like that, no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is so effective. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. Perhaps the Giants, the Panthers, the Browns, and maybe even the Dallas Cowboys all go to ZipRecruiter to look for their new head coaches in 2020. ZipRecruiter is, after all, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the radio.com app or on the web at radio.com slash home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 